Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. I am excited. Okay. And on today's episode, we talk about part one of the top ten superheroes films of all times. We can leave that in. It's fine. I didn't do it right, but whatever. What'd you do wrong? I said top five superheroes films of all time, as in, like, they owned these films, like, it was the ones they made themselves. Yeah. Like, Steve Rogers is behind a camera. That's what Robin tries to do in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. It's a good one. This is my number four. We'll get there. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) What? What would you do (laughs) if all of a sudden Teen Titans Go just... Is my number four. Just shoots up there. Like, what would I do? Yeah. Leave? <laughs> what would you do if it's anywhere in my top honorable mention area? Yesterday you were like, do I put the Incredibles in? Do I put it What do I do? And I was like, well, guess Teen Titans Go to the Movies not there if he's, no. like, struggling. Yeah. Is it in an honorable mention? No. Good. It's somewhere on this list, though. So I ranked, I have my uh, list of, uh, it's 118 movies at this point. Pretty much any superhero movie released by a major studio, from a major studio. By a major studio, with a major studio, studio, in a major studio. uh, Ever in existence. So 118 films. Uh, There are probably some things that are not on this list. That I maybe missed or won't think of. And I will add them to the list as I think of them. But uh, they had to be released in the theatrical theaters. That was a weird sentence. You see... What's up over there? You gave the crow four stars! What's up, danger? Yeah, I gave the crow four stars! (laughs) I just didn't think you'd like it. The crow's a good movie! It's so aggressive! It's aggressively (laughs) 14. But like... (laughs) Unlike a Donnie Darko... I don't think that the crow is unaware of how angsty that it is. I think it it fully knows. Ugh. You did it. You Ugh. won. Ugh. I like it when I surprise you when I like things. I know. It's the biggest shock ever. Yeah. You act like... People act like I don't like things. <laughs> I like things often, I just, like... You just have a very specific taste, and you don't like anything, like, aggressively, like, brutal. That movie's not aggressively brutal, because... It wants to be it sometimes. It really wants to be, though. Um, it's because that movie has a camp factor as well. And no. I, don't, I don't mind aggressively brutal, as long as we're serving a purpose with our brutality, not just to be like, yeah, violence. And sometimes I perceive movies as, yeah, violence that are not like that, but, like, I'm not sure what their purpose or point is or what they're saying. Because, like, I get it. We live in a violent world. Like, there are violent things that happen. Just, you know, maybe not always the needing for the gratuitous kind. Yeah. Eddie Furlong is in the fourth one. Edward. It's um, Edward Furlong. You're right, it is. Gosh. So's Tara Reed. And Dennis Hopper? The fourth (laughs) Crow film? Mm, Yeah. There's four of them? Yeah. 
What what story needs to be told? Well, people die all the time and they need to avenge their death. He doesn't know them. They're not Shelly. Well, no, the, like, so different people become the crow. Oh. Uh-huh. The crow that goes around and is like, you need avenging. Yeah, the crow is a people, not a person. Oh, the crow is the Nick Fury of the franchise. Uh huh. City of Angels. Kylie, why are we here today? I what are we doing? What are why? What are I'm we doing? Why are we putting a nail in the coffin? It's just putting a nail in the coffin. What coffin? The coffin of superheroes. You're never again. Yeah. You'll never put another one on the list again. And we're done. Yep. No more. Never more. It's definitely not in like a month. We won't do another one. No. Crap, we have to do stupid Dark Phoenix. I don't even know how and why it got on the calendar. We said, we'll see if there's something else and more interesting we can talk about, and we couldn't come up with that. Well, we'll f- we might figure it out by then. We might get a reprieve till July, who knows. It's like in like a week or something, isn't it? It's like two, I think, three maybe. Uh, it's listed as our... It's until June 10th! Yeah, That's there so you go. Time. Yeah. Look, Billy Elliot instead. Great, done. Electricity! <laughs> Sparks inside of me! Uh, yeah, we're here to talk about superhero films, the 10 best of all time. I guess twofold. One, a long time ago, we were trying to do whatever movie we were trying to do, and Kyla was like, let's do best superhero films. I'm like, no, we gotta save that for whatever Avengers 4 is. <laughs> so, here we are. After Avengers 4, we're going to blow it out. We're going to do the best superhero movies of all time. Because it seemed like as good a time as I needed to do that. Um, how are you feeling about your list over there? Uh, good. Good? Yeah. Good-ish? Yeah. Okay. I didn't rewatch Blade. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was the one? You got everything else? Yeah. I didn't watch, rewatch The Rocketeer. I, I did. Or Judge Dread. Oh, Dread. I need to... Yeah, you do. Yeah. I had... You a... can't even sit at the same table as me and John until you see that. I had a chance to buy Dread at the one of the like sales that I was at, and someone got it before me, and I was sad. Uh, Yeah, so I'll see Dread at some point. Never. Maybe it'll jump into my top ten. Who knows? It'll be right there under Teen Titans Go. To the movies. Gotta do full titles. So sorry. Alright. Kylie. What? Oh, no. What Um, do you want from me? What do I want from you? Yeah. I have an inquiry of the half-squared Fortnite for you. None. We don't need any more. We don't need any more inquiries. We don't (laughs) need any reason to say our contact information up front at the start of the episode so that if people don't listen all the way to the end that they can still hear it once. Wow, Superman only got three and a half stars. Huh. Yeah, it's fine. It's kind of boring, isn't it? I, I mean, it was. It, I mean, maybe in a different circumstance. It's pretty boring, isn't it? You're not wrong. Thank you. Inquiry of the Half Squared Fortnite. Kylie, why are you so defeated already? We're just starting. This was mostly your list at this point. It's bedtime. It's bedtime. <laughs> 
No, we got two episodes to record. Here we go. It's 7 a.m. Yeah, it's 7 a.m. waking up in the morning, gotta have my balls. Listen, if we hustle, we could be done by 9. Okay, let's go. Okay, let's go. Stop stop wasting time. I don't know why we'd want to be done by 9, but we could be. Okay. Great. You don't have to work till 1. Yeah. And we're going to go to a movie at 7.30. Yep. All right, start. I've been up since (laughs) 3.15. Don't fall asleep during the movie. That's a long shot. Uh, Kylie, what we are going to talk? What do you want? We, I want to ask you a question. What we could go see Avengers again? Uh, no, it's three hours, Kylie. Yeah, but what if we find like a five, six p.m.? It's three hours. <laughs> so I've already seen it twice. There's a six p.m. You've seen it twice. Mm-hmm. Six p.m. Okay. <laughs> we'll think about it. Okay. We're going to get out at the same time, probably earlier than if we go see Longshot. Well, but, you know, with Longshot, we're actually seeing a new movie. Oh, let's give money to people that are Disney. Yeah, so sorry. I don't think the $1.2 billion opening we can film needs our money. It was pretty expensive of a movie to make. Fair. <laughs> see how they're doing on weekend two. <laughs> An 82% drop, yikes. Still made hundreds of millions of dollars. Heading towards 150 million plus opening weekend. Took in an estimated 40 million dollars on Friday alone. In America. (laughs) Making its domestic queue over at eight days, five Hundred million dollars domestic. Do you think Endgame's taken out Avatar? Yeah. Worldwide? Uh, yeah. Because it's got. it'll It's Force Awakens, I think, is what it has to be domestically. It's already beat it. Hasn't it? No. Oh, wait, sorry. Sorry. It's on track to beat it, is yeah. what I should have said. So, domestically, Force Awakens. Josh, this isn't what we're talking about! Makes nine, 936 We gotta million be done dollars. by 9 a.m. Great. What? Yeah, sorry. We do? Oh, That's man. What you said. Okay, um, Kylie, we have a list that we're coming up to that is our top 10 favorites, and I'm sure we'll mention. All time some... adjusted, it's only number 74. You know, in one weekend. Uh, and I'm sure that we will uh, talk about lots and lots of them, but is there a moment, a singular moment in any superhero film that we are not going to discuss in depth that you like, that is your favorite, or that you would like to talk about? Yeah. What is... Helen a... Parr. Okay, go for it. Oh, just her. Everything just her she in does. general? Yeah. yeah. Everything she does in that first film. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. Solid thing. Are we going to talk about it? I'm, I mean, it's not in my top ten. Okay. Yeah, so any specific uh, Helen Parr moments Why there? Why isn't it just enough that it's Helen Parr? I mean, it, fair, but like, just what, is there any elaboration needed of any kind? I really like the moment where Edna beats her up for crying over her husband. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Pull yourself together. You are Elastigirl. Go fight, win. Go fight, 
Where? And when you come back, let's get coffee. I love our little meetings. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Nice. Love um, it. Just send a mode. Just add a mode in general. Yeah, just know. here's naming characters from can the Incredibles. I, can I say Jack Jack Attack? Sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, Jack, yeah. Jack Jack Attack. From The Incredibles Two? One. Oh no, yeah. That's the mini. It is the mini. Yeah. Everything's fine. Jack Jack's still fine, but weird things are happening. Oh, oh, Kylie, it's back. It's my favorite impression that you do. I love Kari. Oh, Kari's great. Kari's better than all of us. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Kari. Hashtag justice for Carly. Bring her back. Uh, she is she briefly in two? No, she's uh, not in two at all. Uh, J- James Bird, what's his name? Brad, Brad, Bird, Brad Bird was like, hmm. This character who I had a lot of fun. Hmm. No, just get out of here, Carrie. She should be a superhero wrangler. Do you think she'd if... be the wrangler? She could be a villain. Do you think if she could be... <laughs> if I pitched a Kari movie, it's just like her adventures in babysitting. It's not called Adventures in Babysitting, but it's just like Kari the babysitter. So she goes and she can so like she convinces. Uh, not Jack Jack, but Dash to be on her side. Okay. Because speedsters are cheaters. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like the incredible but like it, it ja- uh, Dash is older. Okay. So speedsters are cheaters, and I feel like if you have an older Dash where he's a little bit more mature, a little smarter, a little bit more logical we're gonna do well. We're gonna do some damage. Alright. I was just thinking Kari, like no superheroes needed. Those just... are my thoughts. She's gonna yeah. convince him. To, like, get rid of all the classical musics that superhero powers don't form. Ah. There you go. I've (laughs) been searching my list. Uh Uh-huh. Trying to find, like, what moment I would like to call out that I haven't called out. In a, okay, alright. I mean, I've called out some of these. Okay, I'm just going to do this one, and we can kind of start this conversation as well. So, my moment that I'm going to call out is from not Titanic. So sorry. Uh, Jack and Rose, not superheroes. I'm flying! Nope, I'm she's flying, not. It's metaphorical Jack. flying. Alright. She's flying, Josh! No, she's not. The Intruder's number two this week. What? I did not bet on that for Fantasy Movie League. What? I know. The Intruder? Yeah. Dennis Quaid? Yeah. Not the long shot? Not the long shot. Yikes, that's not good news for the long shot. That's Friday estimates. Long shot's three. Okay. It's only a little bit behind. Okay. Alright, come on. Here we go, long shot. Well, Josh, I mean, everyone who went to the movies last week are going back to go see it again this okay, week. Okay, okay, okay. The real question, Kylie. Okay, what's your moment? How's Ugly Dolls doing? No one cares, Josh. <laughs> no one cares about your stupid dolls. <laughs> but but no. they're ugly. Oh, they're number four. Oh. 25. What, what's it? What's the, what, what, why can't they even be three, guys? Pull it together. 2.5 million. Oh, okay. For Friday estimates. There you go. All right. You can get there. You can hang on to, t- hang on to number four, guys. That's all you gotta do. It's why I've been directed by a lady. All right. So, uh, I'm gonna pick a moment from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. 1990. Oh, no. Callie Asbury is not a lady. Callie? Callie? Kelly? Oh, Kelly. Yeah. Mm, that was a 50-50 shot. I know, that's why I looked it up. Yeah. Uh, 
the first original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is something that I hold near and dear to my heart, but does not make my top 10 or my honorable mentions. But there is lots of moments in that film that I rather enjoy. It doesn't make enjoy. your honorable mentions? No, my honorable mentions are only the next five down my list. There are lots of superhero movies that I end up loving. Uh, and so there's a moment in here where Raphael is just feeling an immense amount of pain for the loss of Splinter or his perceived loss of Splinter. And it, there's just a moment where he's contemplating and then screaming and then just there's a lot of emotion and emoting happening from this puppet creature that you're like, man, I did not think we were going to hit some of these deep, actual, emotional, well-depths in this movie. And it never goes that deep again in any of the TMNT franchise, but there's just this moment of real loss and pathos inside the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And I like it. And so there we go. That's my moment that I'm not going to get to mention any other time than now, but I'll mention it here. And we're going to kill Mr. Incredible. Why? We have to have some stakes. Things are getting real <laughs> weird. <laughs> hey friends, if you want to answer the inquiry of the half squared for it now, which is, what's a favorite moment of yours in any superhero film? Or an underseen moment that's a favorite that you like? You can do so at friend of a friend podcast at squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes if it's a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. I can finally sing it. It took 22 movies, but I got there. That's Aquaman. Where are you going to put Aquaman? In your wet films? Yes, it goes in the wet film section. Uh, you can also find us on... These are my wet and big films. <laughs> These are the films of Ben Hosley. These are a few of my favorite films. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of Friend Podcast. And now on with the show. Do you have the abyss? No, I don't have that's, the abyss. That's a wet film. I've been debating on where to put Aquaman. I think he's just going to end up going in action because that's where generic superhero movies that I have go. Oh, that's not generic. No, sorry, it's not. I don't mean generic. I just mean like ones that I don't have. A specific level? Yeah, I don't have a DCEU section because at this point I'm not owning any of the other. I, until another one comes out, not planning on buying any of them. I'll get you Shazam. You can buy me Shazam all you want. And I'll then, put it in the family section. Why? That's a family film. It's very PG-13. Yeah. There you go. Alright, Josh. Yeah, what's up? Okay, let's start. No, here we go. Number five. Number ten. Ten? Number ten. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. You're supposed to talk about the new number ten movie and why it's here. Why it's the tenth best superhero film that's ever been invented. Oh, before we do that, do you get any rules, any provisos, any quid pro quos? No. How did you define a superhero film? Because we saw, we were questioning this a little bit here and there. If it went pew, pew, pew. Uh, oh, Star Wars? <laughs> it's a Star Wars movie? Star Wars film. Yeah. Uh, where an individual is powered with superness uh -huh. in order to, I don't know, do something. 
Well, because like you questioned mm, the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles. Cuz they're ninjas. Well, but they're also superheroes. They have like superpowers. Huh. They are turtles What's who their superpower. Super strength and super uh ninja skills. So they're ninjas. No, they're they're mutant turtles. They count. So they're ninjas. They're as much as the crow counts. They're Pokémon. Great. Sure. <laughs> Um, number 10, Detective Pikachu. I think something with, basically, there had to be an element of, like, super power in some way, shape, or form. And then there also has to be this form of saving the world, saving your people, saving things. You had to have heroic qualities. Uh, I sure don't. (laughs) Well, I mean, listen, there are anti-heroes. You can say that there are heroic qualities in um, even our anti-hero friends. Yeah, because even the, if the anti-heroes are doing it for their own means, yeah, no, we're it's still not, gonna get there. I'm not saying that it has to be like up and up moral all the time. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, it doesn't have to be Captain America. Yeah, but like I didn't consider a Zorro of the world. Like that wasn't a superhero to me because I mean he is, I guess, in terms of mass vigilante. What are you whispering? You can't whisper on an audio podcast. Yeah. Gollum? You're just making Gollum sounds I'm now? S- I'm making a spell. Okay. Great. Uh, did you do any trying to limit it to uh, heroes things, people things, any limiting factors? Yeah, I tried. Okay. I was pretty successful. I also will say that I tried, but I definitely have some superheroes represented on my top ten more than once. And if I do, it's just because I think that the films themselves are what holds up. So for me, I tried to put films on here over necessarily like a specific story. I was looking at kind of those things. Um, And I also didn't rule anything out, whether we've talked about it recently or not. So we may be putting some things in the penalty box. Not totally sure. Yeah, I mean, it's number 10 Aquaman. Aquaman. Aquaman's not my number 10. Aquaman! 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 Alright, so number 10 is a little film called Hellboy. Hellboy? Yeah. Nice. Directed by Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo himself. (laughs) Hellboy himself. No. Guillermo del Toro. He's not a demon from hell. So, I understand that, like, Gavons make The Shape of Water, which was an Academy Award and everything, but, like, Guillermo del Toro does this thing where he's like, Oh, you know... <laughs> Sorry, I gave him an Italian accent for some reason. He's like, oh, you know all those scary people? Uh-huh. They're my friends. They are his friends. They're, he likes the monsters. They're my very best friends. So he's like, what if the monster isn't a monster? <gasps> Do you mean his whole career? Let me have my moment. Oh, sorry. Gosh. Sorry. Gosh. Sorry. That's false. Kronos is scary. Some monsters in it. Fair. Anyways, so uh, he's like, I I will make the monster movie with a monster who's a good guy, and we will call him Hellboy. Nice. Because we're jerks. And Selma, I mean, the comic did it first. Selma Blair's there, hanging out. Yep. She's a witchy person. Ooh, witchy woman. <laughs> She's got the moon in her. So I rewatched this film, right? Yeah. And this is in 2004. And what's 2004, Josh? 
2004 is... A sludge fest for a lot of films. Yeah? A lot of superhero films. Yeah? This is right around the time where most films are not good. Other 2004 superhero films we have... around. Are... I think Spider-Man's right around here. Spider-Man we got a Spider-Man 2. We've got ourselves an Incredible. Uh, oh. uh, we've got ourselves a Punisher. Okay. Uh, Blade Trinity. Okay. And a Catwoman. He did Blade 2, too, also. Um, and well, also... Yes, but not in 2004. No. 2003, is that Daredevil? Three, you're getting... Where is 2003? It should be right next to X2 Hulk Daredevil. Okay. So, like, there are some shiners out there. But then, but for the most part, a lot of the superhero films are just not very... Ooh. You want me to do 2005? Fantastic Four. Okay, yep. Um, I'm out of Alright, the best one of this bunch is Batman Begins. Then you get Fantastic Four. Uh-huh. Sky High. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sky High is kind of fun. Okay, you're not wrong. <laughs> Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Constantine. Electra. So like I said, this is not a great <laughs> yeah. time for superhero yeah, films. No. Um, and so like Guillermo del Toro is like, what if I put heart and soul and like personality into this film? He uses a lot of practical effects also, mm-hmm. and it looks really good. Uh, some of the CGI is a little gleep gloppy-ish, but like this film, I understand it's it's Buffy-ish. Where, like, you're kind of just like, oh, we're dealing with the occult and we're all having a fun time with yeah. that. Uh, and something that I appreciate is that there's this undercurrent of, like, this really bad guy happening. But essentially all Hellboy's trying to do is kill this, like, demon dog that he keeps not being able to kill. Because every time you kill it once, two more shall appear. It's Hydra. No. But that's, it's eight heads. But that's what Hydra's logo mo- motto is. <laughs> If you kill one, eight more will grow. No, two more come back. I think it's eight more. Well, you you need to rewatch some things. Then. Like an octopus. Go catch them all. Catch all the superheroes. I don't need to. I watched them all for winter last year. Yeah, well, you watch all the MCU's, but they're not MCU's. This genre takes over the world. You're, you're in the middle of a thought. Oh, no. No, you gotta be He's inspired. He's just trying to kill, like, these demon dogs. That's his main goal. And David Hyde Pierce is there with the person. And Dun Jones is, like, acting like David Hyde Pierce would. He's doing a good job at it, too. Yes. I'm always looking at it, and I'm like, that's exactly how Niles Kramer moves. Do you think Frasier. that's what he did? Do you think Doug Jones just watched a bunch of Frasier and was like, oh, okay. Mm. Oh, yes, I am Ape Sabian now. Mm. Abe? Abe? Abe. 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 I can't say I've seen Hellboy since maybe 2004. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. It's not bad. Uh, I watched it, I think, in a group setting, so I can't really say I've ever really, like... It's also about a father and a son. Oh, nice. Dealing with their issues. Yeah. John Hurt. John Hurt. He hurts so good. Hurt so good. Were John Hurt and William Hurt ever in a movie together? Uh-huh. They're not related, I don't I hope think. not. Okay. It's too much. I'd be like, there's the big hurt, and you'd be like, which one, Kylie? And I'd be like, what? Well, the big hurt in that scenario is clearly John Hurt. Why? Well, William Hurt is... He's okay. 
I mean, I like William Hurt, <laughs> but like, it's no John Hurt. So she just thinks that you're not giving Hellboy enough chance. I just need to rewatch it. That's all I'm saying. It's on Netflix. There you go. 2019 came and went. Yeah. We didn't talk about it. This shows us that we don't have to talk about every superhero film. Oh, yeah, yes. The Hellboy 2019 <laughs> with uh, David Harbour, we did not we did not get a chance to see. Yep. Came and went in like three weeks. Yeah. Pretty much. It was open last week mm. when Avengers was here because I was like, who would go see Hellboy when you could see Avengers? I understand why Captain Marvel made money, but that one... Nope. Took it out. All right. Any other thoughts you want to share on Hellboy? I just don't know why you hate it so much. I don't hate Hellboy. I said I haven't seen it and I somewhat enjoyed it. I watched it in a group setting. Ron Perlman's great. Yeah. He's a lot older than Selma Blair. Got any thoughts on uh, Hellboy 2? No. Golden Army? I haven't seen it. Golden Compass? Golden Army. Golden Army, okay. Golden Compass is about polar bears. (laughs) And Nicole Kidman? Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Alright, my number 10 is a movie that Carly says that she needs to rewatch. You're holding your face like you're, like, stressed about this. No, I was just tired. Um, Why are you so tired? I've been up since 3. <laughs> 15. It's early. Uh, my number 10 is a Joe Johnson <laughs> film known as The Rocketeer. Uh, The Rocketeer is a film that, uh, comes out in 1991, and... We gotta fight space Nazis. It could be subtitled The First, First Avenger, because Joe Johnson, I think, essentially, for all intents and purposes, remakes this film with Captain America the First Avenger when he makes that film. And while I do love Captain America the First Avenger, there's something about The Rocketeer that is more earnest and more... more almost sincere and heartfelt. Whereas with the first Avenger, we're kind of enough into the future from when this comes out that we have to look back on this time with a little bit of like winking nod. We're like, oh yes, we know it's a simpler time. We know it's a more moralistic time. Like we understand things. Whereas in 1991, what he does is I think he's actually able to grasp a little bit more of some of those true feelings about World War II. Maybe not true feelings is not the right word, but some of those more, I don't know, grandiose ideas of what the 1940s were. Some of this more storytelling heightened comedic aspect. There's not a real winking devil aspect to this movie at all. It's very honest with like, no, we're going to mythologize the 1940s era Hollywood and we're going to mythologize 1940s era World War II kind of films and World War II superhero films and what this meant. And so it just becomes this almost nice little time capsule of some of the golden age of superheroes because the Rocketeer himself is very much just a good old kind of pilot boy who wants to marry the actress and wants to save the day because he's got a rocket pack now and Timothy Dalton is one mustache short of like nah, see, I'm slightly whiplash. But it all kind of works out. And you've got Alan Arkin just being grumpy Alan Arkin building planes and Jennifer Connelly in an early point in her career where she's 
I will say one of the knocks against this film is she's kind of nothing more than a damsel in distress eye candy. And that is that is not an appropriate use of a female character, and especially the only female character that you have in your film. But she does at least get a couple of moments where she is... Uh, she does take action in her moments to save herself when she can. But that being said, I think The Rocketeer is a really wonderful, fun movie that introduces the concept of what an earnest, honest superhero is and can be. And if you've not seen The Rocketeer, it's very much worth your time. Seek it out. Watch it. It's enjoyable. And it's, I think that, I think society wasn't, because this film kind of flopped, I think society wasn't ready for something like The Rocketeer when it came out. It wasn't ready to be, like, reflexive positively about that era because the early 90s is full of such, I don't know, grunge and rebellion and anti-culture that we didn't want to look back on that time yet. So when the first Avenger comes out, we've got more room and distance, and I, we're kind of we want to be a little less angsty about life in this time. We want to celebrate the kind of, you know, fun, moralistic, cartoony aspects of, of our superheroes a little bit more in that time. So it's just a matter of timing versus this film's success. My number nine's Avengers. Avengers? Marvel's The Avengers? Yeah. Nice. No, sorry, the British one. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. There you go. So with SARS... Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. <laughs> and the guy, maybe Rafe Fiennes. Joseph Fiennes? Um, you know, it has a person. Yeah, you keep talking about Marvel or about right. the Avengers. They're so British. Up. They're spy. It's a good film. Sean Connery. Is Connery in the movie? Uh, why not? Sean Connery's in everything. Ralph Fiennes, Ralph Fiennes, Sean Ralph, Connery. Ralph Fiennes, like I said? Yeah, no, you're right. You're 100% right. Ralph Fiennes, Uma Thurman, and Sean Connery. Oh, I nailed all three on the head. Oh, yeah. No problem. You got it right. I wasn't doubting you. Uh, Joseph Fiennes? Uh, that, I was there. Fine. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so everyone, I put the Avengers here. Uh-huh. I feel like I should have put it higher, but I was like... This is a good spot for you. Okay. Number nine. Yeah. Why is it number nine, Kelly? Well, you can't just list like... and be like, man, moving on. Okay, so like, I know, so like, everyone's like, this is the greatest accomplishment of all superhero films. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you made a successful movie and you brought four things together and... Yeah, and for some reason, people who didn't go see all the other movies went and saw this film, and they were all on board with everything yeah, that happened. Here it is, and here we are, and then it just continued to grow and grow into this monster that we have today. But we finally killed the monster. I don't think we did at all. I think the monster is gonna run a slow, horrible death until it's not fun anymore. Dying's never fun. Well, fair enough. So, anyways, uh, I, I think that... I think that it's interesting that this film works. Because mm, when you look at the other films, as we've kind of talked about a little bit, you have... First, you start with Iron Man, which is like a cool... Mm, thing, cool tone, cool action, like, ha ha ha, dealing with our current war stuff, and we're like, oh, yikes, Deal looking into the mirror. And then you get Hulk, which is bad, and uh -huh. then you get Thor, which is Shakespeare, Yes. and then you have Captain America, which is like, like, 
good old American patriotism. Yes. And when you put that all together, does it seem like it's going to work? I mean... If I have coffee... Yeah. Salt... British and uh, something real American. If I put them all together, hot dogs. Okay. If I uh-huh. put them all together, do they seem like they're? Gra- what are you looking at? I'm just looking at her post. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm with you. What do you think? Do you think it's gonna taste good? Uh, it depends. Are you putting it in like a blender, or do I get to blender. like eat it? To- Ooh. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, all of these things coming together, it, it's very tricky that it actually works. The film does a good job of introdu- reintroducing Black Widow, because, like, we crapped the bed when we did Iron Man 2. Yes. The film does not do a good job introducing Hawkeye, but hey, how could we? <laughs> <laughs> did I tell you my Hawkeye take that, like, I did. I think I said that I appreciate Hawkeye the least in this new film, where he's got the most to do. Mm-hmm. Come, it comes around to me thinking a little bit like maybe Joss knew what he was doing in sidelining this character a little bit. I like him in Age of Ultron. I like him in Age of Ultron too. He's still not the main character no, or a main focus. A, he is not as sidelined. He's like more in focus in the picture. I'm gonna say I'm a hot. Uh, oh, here we go. Hot <laughs> take, everyone. Here we go. Ooh, it's hot take. Hawkeye is appropriately sidelined. I think it's actually pretty. It's a pretty smart move on Marvel and Whedon's part to put this character to the side a little bit and allow us as a fan base to go, oh, but we love him. Oh, because when you put him forward as like a centerpiece of thing, you're like, oh, but he just, he just shoots arrows. Like people can do board. Captain just throws a shield. Yeah. But sorry. That was my way of saying that. Oh yeah. Like, Captain America has a character. He just shoots arrows. We could have given him a character. We could have, but we didn't. Yeah. And therefore... (laughs) We shouldn't have tried. Aye, there's the rub. (laughs) For in that sleep. Yeah, there you go. What dreams may come. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, Loki's cool... Do you have this higher on your list? Yes. Why don't we just wait till then, then? Great, perfect. Why do I have to keep talking about it? You don't this? have to keep talking about it, but I just wanted you to do more than just, like, number nine, Avengers. Moving on. Put everyone together. This isn't my Pokemon list. It did everything. You actually have thoughts to it say. It did everything that, like, everyone needed it to do. It made all the money in the world. We're going to continue to make all the money in the world. It's a big conglomerate. It, like, everyone's, like, on board. It's not yeah. my favorite team-up movie. Is there a higher team-up movie on your list? Yeah. Ooh. But I mean, like, people don't think of it as a team-up movie because I guess everyone just got introduced all at once, but... I mean, some of the criticisms that I've heard for the Avengers is that the first half an hour is boring because all we're doing is reintroducing characters and it's a little kind of sloppy. Not everyone wanted to sit through six, eight (laughs) hours of the first four. And I will say that, like, it's not the most... Five! There's five of them before! Yeah. Ugh. That's it's 10 not hours. the most entertaining section of the film, but I also think it's very necessary and needed. And in fact, the Black Widow sections do a much better job of introducing her as a character. I imagine that if this film didn't start with its weakest sequence, because I will totally say that 
the weakest sequence in the Avengers is Loki stealing the Tesseract out of that weird yeah, random Hawkeye's there. tunnels. Because <laughs> Hawkeye's like, the guy that we need to, to yeah. stop him. And... and, like, basically we're introduced to Hawkeye and he fails and Maria Hill and Sam Jackson are just, like, moving around, like, kind of there. Did you hear that um, Sam Jackson's edict in order to be in the films? Apparently he comes up to Joss Whedon on, like, day one and is like, listen, Joss... I like you. I like your movies. I'm excited to be in this one. You know what I... I'm a, I'm a 60-plus-year-old man. You know what I, what I don't do? Run. I will not run for you. <laughs> so that's why... Like, like Nick Fury's kind of walks everywhere. Like, very importantly. I agree. Yeah, no, I'm on board. I'm on board with it. Yeah. Ew. But there are moments it looks like Sam Jackson's running in Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, no, for Bowden and Flick, they were like, no, no, you gotta run for his for Brie. Yeah, he, he was in a film with her before. Yeah, Unicorn, Unicorn Store. Store. <laughs> so they were friends. All right, she, number nine, Unicorn Store. She, direct, <laughs> she directed that film. She did. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it was filmed like mm, a long time ago. Oh, they've been homies this whole time. Yeah. Uh, Maybe when, like year plus. When I saw the Oscars, I was like, oh, I'm on board. Oh, I'm on yes. board for Captain Marvel. Right? The chemistry. Oh, agreed. Not like romantic chemistry, but the like... Friendship? We're like awesome. Yeah. The awesome friends. Also, awesome. I really appreciate that their dynamic is not like parental in any way. Also, it's like, no, we're equals. I think she should be his parent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not wrong. That might, Not wrong. Might do him some good. All right, my number nine is also from the early nineties. This one is from nineteen ninety two. Wow, nineteen ninety two. Let's see if I can figure it out. All right, yeah. What 1992. you got? Nineteen hundred and ninety two. Batman Returns. It is Batman Returns. Uh. Batman Returns is a film that I think encapsulates a lot of what is good about this early run of superheroes. It is, I think on my list moving forward, everything else is from the new millennium. And what Batman Returns, I think, highlights is this overall camp nature that had been embedded into superhero films on the whole and that comes out of the fact that comics and comic nature in a pop, pop culture idea are perceived to be over the top and campy and probably for good reason there are weird things that happen in comics that can't happen in real life and that into a society back especially in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and beyond where like mm, uh, nerds are bad with their comics and they push up their glasses all the time and they weren't the be all end all make all the money like they weren't starting to gain fatigue as a popular art form they were still underground they were still very much this weird thing that only through the work of the original Superman franchise and Tim Burton's Batman franchise do even those two characters start to break out and be like, oh, well, these might be okay. I mean, they're campy, they're fun, they're kind of, they're like, they're there, but they might be okay. I mean, I enjoyed watching this Batman thing. 
And so when 92 comes around, we've got this sequel to Batman, the sequel to the biggest blockbuster of all time at the moment. And we bring back Keaton, and we add in not only uh, Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, but Dan DeVito. Whoa, 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 sorry, sorry. Our hero and mascot and icon. Danny. I- <laughs> iconic Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. The iconic, the Big Papa. As Penguin. Can, I, can we call him that? The Big Papa? The Big Papa. Yeah, done, 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 done. Big Pops. <laughs> Poppy, Poppy D. <laughs> Big Poppy D. <laughs> I don't like it anymore. Okay. Sorry, I ruined it. <laughs> Big Papa. Yeah, Big Papa. <laughs> Big Papa. Dan DeVito as the penguin. As my nightmares? This is your nightmare. You're not wrong. Oh, I like how ugh, he bites off a nose. And mm, Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. Yeah, you doing okay over there? Are you are, are you good? It's originally supposed to be like Harvey Dent. It, it, yes, you're uh, not wrong. Racism. But racism allows it to not be. And while I wish that the choice was still Billy D, and I wish that that was still supposed to be a continuation to build towards Two-Face and the third one, what they do with Max Shrek, I think makes more sense as that character than Harvey Dent. I mean, I'm sure it would be very different. It still should, would, could be Billy D. Williams and I'd be all on board with it. But Max Shrek is an awful character. Like, not in terms of, like, written, but in terms of, like, as, like, a, oh, gosh, you are just the slimiest, sleaziest corporate sleazeball that is, like, to the point where I watch... Batman Returns, and I'm like, oh yeah, sure, this penguin man with his fish hands and eats raw fish and is is gross, but maybe not the biggest villain of this film. I mean, he got his own things. We'll talk about them, including lots of disgusting things. But what works about Batman Returns as a movie is that Burton takes his vision And when he applies his vision to something that he has a knowledge of, but isn't like he's trying to create something new with this and he's already built his world and now he wants to play deeper in it and he wants to tear down this idea of who Batman is and what Batman is and what Batman can be and how that we've built him up as this icon in our brain and now the only way to to move past it is to tear him down. That's the only way that we're going to tear Gotham out of his cold, dead bat claws. Which may sound familiar to another Batman film that I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit later. Batman and Robin? Yep, Batman and Robin. That's the only way to defeat him is to make a crappy movie. There you go. Tear him down. But... The character work in here is solid. This comes from the era of films. It has to be. Batman gets sidelined in this movie for quite a little. Yes, we Pfeiffer, uh, who is going through a lot of changes, dealing with the patriarchal society, dealing with the gross patriarchy that is Max Shrek, and the even more disgusting uh, uh, sexual harassment nature of the Penguin. And it just, like, it makes... 
the film works so much better because Catwoman, though she is fighting Batman, you are very much on her side. You understand her, what she's going through, what her point is. And yes, there is some weird fetishistic things in this film to do with her character in many scenes. Uh, this is probably the most sexually graphic uh, Tim Burton film. That being said, it's a Tim Burton film. It's just talked about a lot, not done anything with. But what Batman Returns does is it tells a story that is not only good for its time in trying to take down its politicians and its ideals and its icons, but that holds true to even to this day. And it, I think, is a universal story that can hold up and does hold up through um, it, all of its kind of... in all of its gross side plots and all of its things that are there and it's it just gives me this really visceral reaction so yeah batman returns solid solid movie sorry that film scares me too much i yeah, can't it's okay. i can't go back it's a good time Never. you should you should watch our hero big papa you gonna watch some snake movie <laughs> i mean if it gets you to watch Big Papa. Just, you can't even handle what a snake is on a film. I can't. <laughs> we were in PetSmart yesterday for a little bit. There are snakes there. Yeah, I know. We were walking down the reptile aisle, and I was like, ah! And I had to run away. Yeah, so I don't need to watch Batman Returns again. I mean, it's worthwhile. Just why won't you listen? I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying that it's worthwhile. It's a very good movie. <laughs> Okay, my number eight is Wonder Woman. Oh, great. You know, just gotta go and fight the good fight. Yeah. <laughs> These men are dangerous. They are. I gotta put a stop to them. You should definitely, we should talk about Wonder Woman. Okay. It, it does not make my list. So, kind of the same reason why I put Avengers on here of like, oh, it's important, is why Wonder Woman makes this list. It's an important film. Wonder Woman is a film that re that deserves to have its moment, and I think that the film itself is pretty standard, pretty uh, it, 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 very atypical with just the structure of everything. But what I think that Wonder Woman does is that it creates this character who is very much like gung ho, and we gotta go do this, but also puts a feminine touch of it of like the only way for us to defeat war. Is through love. Yeah. And you're kind of like, wow. I mean, like, Cap's gonna punch his way through this, but right. like, and she's gonna do the same, but she's also gonna remember that it's love that's gonna put an end to it. There you go. She's the god killer. She is. <laughs> she fights David Thewlis at the oh, end. She does. Um, I also think that her interactions with Chris Pine in this film are very good, and that even though Chris Pine is like, no, don't. She never listens. She's her own woman. She's got her plan. She's on her mission. She's got to do her thing. She's got to be her. She's got to do her thing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Should I put Catwoman on here? No. Should not have. That was the real the first time. Yeah, it was, but <laughs> no. Should I Electra? Electra. That's, that's, that's the one. And then nothing until now. Well, and I it's so strange that Catwoman and Elektra are the legacy of female-led superhero films in the sense of neither... that They get this bad... They give these f future films a bad rap because 
they they tried and they failed and they didn't work. And I was like, yeah, they didn't work because not because you had women in front of them. They didn't work because they're terrible movies. Daredevil didn't work. The Punisher. Yeah. The other Punisher. The other Punisher. The Hulks. <laughs> None of them work, but men still get to make superhero movies. Yeah. Well, you know, gotta gotta try, I guess. I don't know. I don't have any reason for that logic. <laughs> like... I guess for every one of those, you've got a Spider-Man or an X-Men or a Batman or something that is working with them. So there is like a, a, a proof of existence, but it's just a lame excuse. It's the lamest of lame excuses. You can't put a terrible movie out there and say that people don't have enough taste. They're just like, oh, this person's in it. It's going to be good. It's going to make all the money. We're going to love it. Oh, my gender's leading it. I guess we have to go. No, you have to make a good movie. That's why Wonder Woman is the success and why I think she'll be considered to be the first superhero, female-led superhero movie is because when you're the first success, that's when, like, history will remember you. Yeah. You know? I like Wonder Woman a lot. I don't think it's a exceedingly special movie outside of the fact of who's leading it, and but I do love the Gal Gadot performance. I think it is one of the strongest performances in all superhero history. Um, I love the no man the no man's land sequence. It is one of the my favorite battle scenes in again all of all of superhero movie history. Uh, it does a lot of really good things. It does get bogged down into some DCEU nonsense. I mean, it, it is of its time and it can't avoid being that. But that doesn't mean that it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's it is a very perfectly acceptable superhero movie. And I'm excited for Wonder Woman 84, which is, I think is the sequel. Um, and I hope that it can improve upon that. I hope it can actually do, so, do some more unique things with the character. Yeah, let's get a villain in there. Oh. That's not Danny. One that's not a computer? Danny keeps... Who's, who's the computer? I don't know. David Thewlis in his <laughs> god form or whatever. Oh, Okay. Do you want someone to actually fly? Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe if I was like a Superman, I would just be a stunt double. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll jump off this building. Yeah. No problem. Great. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And they'd be like, how did she survive? <laughs> ah, it's great. It's fine. You're like, oh, I'm hurt. Oh, oh, it's really painful. Ah. My number eight is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Uh, when Guardians came out... I, I also have this film. Ooh, nice. Yeah. There we go. It is my number... This, 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 six. It's six. my number six. There you go. When Guardians Volume 1 came out, I wasn't familiar at all with... The Guardians franchise, which I think is a very common sentence to say about this movie. And so it was very exciting to see this, for me, new property, so to speak, being introduced out into the universe. And it was a, a, a risk for Marvel because they were going for some of their more non-traditional characters or non-established characters. But what I love about Volume 1 is that it has a very specific voice. James Gunn's fingerprints and his voice and his touch and his tone they're all over this movie and it allows it to mix not only hero aspects and anti-hero aspects and team-up movie aspects but 
humor and music and this really kind of slick stylish filmmaking that that enhances the film instead of takes away from it and it also allows him to do what a lot of superhero films can't do that well which is world building Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 is a film for people who love world building, who just love to jump around a galaxy and who just love to jump around a place and learn about all of the different ins and outs and elements of how this works. And as a film that's setting up what space in the MCU is going to be and what space in the MCU is going to look like, this film serves that in leaps and bounds while also presenting forward this group of misfits who you just instantly take to. And inter- Even though they suck! Even though they suck! Okay, even before everything that's happened. Peter Quill? Yeah. I mean, that was going to be my, my sentence about Peter Quill is like, he's the first one you're introduced to and he's the... You, I don't think you ever like him more than when he is dancing around on Morag in the opening credits. Because... Oh my gosh, you even know the planet's name. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, He's dancing around, and you don't know that much about him. I think the more you learn about Peter Quill, the more you're like, oh, this guy is not the best in all the land and I think part of that is is the interesting thing is I bet Peter Quill plays better in different parts of the country or to different audiences because in a lot of ways he's a very standard 80s 70s action hero you know he cares about himself and he cares about his family and he cares about you know the things that are there but he's also very red-blooded like i'm a i'm a terran and i i i'm gonna walk around representing my people and my culture and not really care about the the legacy that i leave around and that's an interesting person to lead but also to put that character as kind of an anti-hero villain and the the moralistic center possibly of your group and then you have a trained assassin who's probably killed a lot of people yeah she's the best (laughs) uh gamora comes in i gamora in volume one i love her so much because she's just so confident in who she is and she doesn't need any of these people like she just only because her heart comes around to them is the reason why she gives them the time of day um, this very fun dynamic between Rocket and Groot, both characters that you instantly realize that society has kicked to the side and said you are very not important and therefore you can survive on whatever you can, sur- whatever schemes you can come up with. Which I miss Groot. Which is something that makes these characters so endearing. I also miss this version of Groot. Because this version of Groot is a character with heart and soul and like he's like, yes, a he's powerful a tree tree yeah he really is time to mature and like and then drax not as quippy quip drax is funny and the ironicness of everything and just like you're fun and bradley cooper's giving it his all he should have been nominated for this film but they like didn't feel right about nominating so they had to give him a nomination for his star is born but really it was for rocket raccoon we all know that to be true rocket raccoon specifically in volume (laughs) two Like, I love him in Volume 1, but, like, he turns his game up in Volume 2. Josh, it's kind of like 
like a lifetime achievement award. For yeah, just there you go. Two films, but like Groot in this movie, he's not like. I mean, I like Baby Groot, Baby Dancing Groot's really cute, but like great. And Teenage Groot is nothing but a joke machine. But I love this original. Whoa, like, Teenage Groot has to learn to sacrifice himself too. He chops off his arm. I mean, sure. Yeah, I'm not fair. ready to just chop off my arm. <laughs> fair. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, he can regrow it. He knows that. There's very little hurt. consequences. It's still, I'm not ready to rip out my fingernails. They'll grow back, though. I mean, what Very purpose? little consequences. I don't know. What if I have to... I don't know. I'm not sure what the circumstances, Josh. But, like, We Are Groot is one of the most emotional, powerful moments of this movie. And I think that they're hanging the Groot character completely on this performance and this movie. Not only that, um, we talk... Oh, shoot. You know what we haven't done? We didn't rank Thanos. Yeah, I know. Kylie, where's Thanos go? get to that later. Keep okay, going. great. Sorry. That'll be our inquiry next week. Oh, perfect. Next, tomorrow. Next episode. Alright. Uh, but Ronan, though not like the best, most amazing villain, he serves his purpose for what he needs to do for this narrative. Yeah, and Karen Gillian's great. Oh. Yeah? Karen Gillian? Nebula? Yeah? I was gonna say, oh yeah, it's great. No. She's kind of one note in this movie. Yeah, she yells a lot. She does. Although, I will say that I'm wondering, seeing where it's going, and knowing that James Gunn has had a say and a hand in every single aspect of her character, even though Endgame is not his lines, that is the stuff that he had planned for that character in there. Like, he is very much the kind of overseer of these characters, it makes me wonder if this was planned for Nebula. Like, she was always going to start here and then learn and grow to become something else over here. Even if it wasn't the plan, I'm glad that they countered away from what Nebula was in Guardians 1. What else? What do you got to say about Guardians 1? It's good. Good yeah, time. Good time. Good times indeed. Um... Yeah, I don't much care for Ronan or anything that he does, but I think that it's okay that he's so bland because, like, the real villain is society. Because you have Peter Serafinowicz that's like, it's people that awful, and yeah. you're like, shut up, go be the tick. And you're <laughs> a lot more positive there. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, and you just have... You, you, these characters... Their interactions with Ronan are few and far between in uh-huh. the grand scheme of it all. But, like, they're set up with all of these different obstacles that they have to overcome. And it's it's far more interesting just watching them have to deal with the villain of society yeah. rather than having to watch them. Well, and I think we... One last little thing that I think that... Uh... We covered our favorite superhero moments or something, or our favorite MCU oh char- superhero characters. We did something, and I talked about the standing in a circle scene. I talked about we are Groot. Um, and to me, the standing in a circle scene, along with we are Groot, but they like they're some of the best scenes in just superhero franchise history. Like the the film comes together at such an emotional stakes, and what Gunn understands is that you don't know these characters, so you have to learn to love them, and he, st- he structures the film to where you can do that. So yeah, Guardians one. Also, Drax isn't a joke machine yet. Oh, I already said that. I He's talked about. He's kind that. of a joke machine, but yeah, not but as much. It's an annoying one. Yeah. Although I love him in Mantis. Yeah. Oh, I love Mantis. Yeah, me too. Gosh, I love Mantis so much. I just. Want so much better for her. Yeah. 
She's my. She's got my favorite superpowers. She's Empathy. Not gonna, she's not gonna punch her way through this. Yeah. No, she's gonna empathize with you through it. I love. I love Mantis too. I want her to do more. Although once you kind of see her in Infinity War, you're like, oh, this is why you exist. Okay, cool. Well, now what else can we do with you? Yep. Uh, I got the crow. What? The crow. You can't talk louder it's than that. It's the crow. The crow. The crow's great. Yeah. The crow. Solid movie. This is your number seven? Bow, meow. Yeah. Okay. So the crow starts out with uh, every... Uh, okay, so what the crow is. The crow is essentially angst in a superhero film. And when you're <laughs> yes. a middle schooler and you see this, you're like, yeah! You're like, it's so twisted. It can't rain all the time. Yeah. <laughs> And the film continues to play on that. So, like, well, as we were watching this, you were like, who are these people? And I continued to just call them vampires. Yes, uh-huh. Uh, where that's ostensibly the moodiness of what they are. So, we follow Eric Davers, Ravers, who has to essentially avenge the death of him and his girlfriend by taking out all the people who, like, killed them. And so... He wakes up and he finds out that he's this invincible creature and all he just goes and does is take a revenge for everything. And I know that that's not the most, like, good for the world kind of thing, but hey, Sarah gets a mom. She does. <laughs> she does get a mom. Um, it's a very 90s film with some of its politics and things and treatment of, like, women and things. Skateboard kid. So her name's Sarah. Yeah, but I mean, she's a skateboard kid, and you don't really under you don't really know Shelly all that well, and you don't get to see the relationship with her and Eric. But I think that the film itself is just a lot of fun with the way that it uh, with the way that it uses this character who is a much more who is a more brutal character than we might think with um, comic books because with comic books we're kind of like bright suits and like having a good time and even like batman you're like well you know he's gonna go kill a clown right and the clown's all yeah. happy and stuff yeah. so you're, like, you're having a fun time still but with um the crow the crow focuses much more on gothic themes and like playing them up to a ridiculous level yeah i and it, it's camp fun it is interesting that in a lot of early 90s superhero film they relate camp and goth in in how our superhero films are going to come around uh crow is really fun to watch like it's a very basic revenge tale um and he's definitely more of a vigilante than an actual superhero totally fine uh, I will say that its last sequence, its last like 30 minutes or so, it's act three, really pick up. And not that there's anything wrong with the first hour of the movie, because I was enjoying it. It was good. Like, the imagery and the camp factor go together to not create something, like I said, that it's, it's self-aware in this way that, like, I think it knows how over the top it's being. I mean, like, Brandon Lee falls through a window, lands on the ground, and just starts chuckling to himself because he can't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> it's such a good time. And then this last half an hour when Top top Dog? Top Guy? Top Dollar? Top Dollar. 
take like puts his plan into full gear the movie just hits this other level of just ruckus fun and you're like we've built to this and like it's like you really are on the crow's side and you're like crow ernie hudson tag team i always wanted yeah but go get it done you also watch top dollar the whole time and you're like you're the worst you are the worst indeed (laughs) yeah no this is a great it's really good it's so much i love the the way that it uses its visuals to tell its story and just yeah good time well and even there are the moments where it takes out of the film where it goes to show the emotion where like we go to Ernie Hudson's apartment and like, oh yeah, he's like sad, and you're like, oh yeah, that's don't scene, kill those people. I think that's where those mo- the movie really kicks in that high gear because it was a scene that I said out loud. I was like, I think this is my favorite scene of the movie because I wasn't expecting us to stop and deal with our emotions for a little bit, and it takes the time to do that. And again, in other films, and I don't mean to just keep harshing on Donnie Darko, but, like, Donnie Darko doesn't do that. Donnie Darko doesn't allow the audience to, like, really get to know these characters. It stays on that shallow level the whole time. And that's the, like, angst, angst, angst films. Whereas, like, this is teen angst. It is teen angst personified. But it's really trying to dig into that a little bit. And I, I just appreciate The Crow. I would own this movie. I need to own this movie. It's, it's very... It just shocks me. Listeners, it's always my favorite when I can surprise Kylie by enjoying a movie. Oh, no. Well, I just know you. <laughs> and I know, like, some things are not your taste, and I respect that. I always just worry. I I really try to say, and I try to keep an open mind to like, and say, I respect good things. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not always my taste, I always try to see the value of it when I'm going into it. And so, yeah. And I think that with, like, we were talking about the fight sequences. And the fight sequences aren't as big as a lot of fight sequences are today, but they do feel real. Yeah. And they feel realistic because I'm pretty sure Brandon Lee and uh, Chad uh, Chad <laughs> Skilinski John yeah. Wick director uh-huh yep um I really think that they were just doing things that were feasible and that felt real and and when you have something that feels real versus when you have something that feels like rubber you tend to go more towards the real feeling yeah and there is something about this film that... Oh, we, ha- we haven't even talked about, like... One of my least favorite things about this film is, like, the... Uh, one of my least favorite things about the way that this film is perceived is the onset tragedy that occurred. Oh, yes. And yeah. how, like, people are like, it's a great film! Goes and, blah! and I'm like, taking out the horrible tragedy that happened, this film stands apart from... It's production. And I so agree. and so I am glad that this film gets released. I'm glad that um Brandon Lee's mom and girlfriend are both like, No, let's set it let's put it out, let's finish it so that people can see the work that he did. And they can honor him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. For with that M T V movie award. For best male performance. Yeah. Yeah. No solid. Yeah. Also this film goes on to inspire Christopher Nolan and all of his A lot. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> it baffles me that this is such a good movie considering the rest of the career of the director. Like, his most recent film is Gods of Egypt. Yeah. Pretty awful film. 
Uh, and you read me the rest of his filmography, and I was like, who? Knowing, Dark City. Uh-huh. There's another one. Yeah. Another gem. Uh-huh. I'd seen most of them somehow. Dark City's the one that I haven't seen. Is he your favorite director now? No. Maybe he should be. But he's only made, I think, one good movie. Okay. Yeah. So you're number six. My number seven. We're almost done. What? Yep. Oh, I went first. Yeah. Okay, well, you have to go twice in a row. Why? Guardians is next on mine. Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, Let's talk about these two concurrently. What are you... <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think my number seven... Here, you know, we'll save some time. Because I think my number seven is higher on your list. We'll, we'll see. So if it's not, we'll talk about it now. But if it is, we'll save it to talk about then. My number seven is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, uh, yeah, we can talk about it next episode. Okay, yeah. Because I'm assuming it's on your list. You just don't want to go twice in a row. <laughs> no, I'm just going to say, great, we'll talk about Into the Spider-Verse next, because now you're going to say Guardians, which is great, and then I'm going to say <laughs> Six, which I think we can talk about just here. just change up my list now. <laughs> no, it's fine. Because um, I, I, th- I feel like we kind of, we're, we're like to the transition point, so I just want to do one more, and then we'll, we'll move there. Uh, my number six is Logan. Um, is Logan on yeah. your list as well? So it is 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. It's number 5. Number 5. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, Do you want to talk about it now or next time? We'll talk about it now because okay. my number 5 is, is... We'll get there. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should have done this together. Maybe it's fine. It's good. Um, I think there's some... Uh, there's definitely <sighs> some differences coming in our top 4s. There's also some crossover in our top fours. Is there some differences in our top four? Yes. I would, I would, I'd be real hard pressed to think that we have the same number two. I feel like there's three films that you have to have somewhere over there that I have. Okay. I would all, I feel that I've maybe got, I mean, one of my, one of my top five you've already mentioned. My other four... It's not Wonder Woman. Oh, I know. It's the Avengers. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Um, The other four, I can see... I could possibly see three crossover, but I think there's only two. Oh my gosh. So which one of these don't you have? Well, we're going to find out. All right. Let's talk about Logan, though, right now, because that's where we are. Logan... Have you put Logan on this over some of these other films? (laughs) Okay, ooh, we gotta see, we gotta see. Let's talk about Logan, though, right now. Logan has risen in my X-Men rankings ever since I've seen it. I liked it a lot. I think it's a really, really good movie. Um, What it does is it focuses on this idea of what it means to come to the end of your life and how you can pass on your legacy and whether you want to do that or not, you're going to do it. And so how can you take control over this idea and this thought? It is a riff on modern noir. It is a riff on noir in general. And I will say that this time through when I watched it, it is the first time through that I sat down and watched my Logan noir version. And if you're not aware of what that is, it's just Logan in black and white. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that experience. Like. It is clear to me, like, I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, James Mangold made a Western. No, he made a noir film. Like, and when you watch it in black and white, and when you watch it in the grayscale that he puts it in, 
you're almost like I think this is the film they wanted to make the whole time. Like the the way that it, the shots look, the way the lighting ends up being, the way that he frames everything, it feels like you're watching an old noir. It feels like you're watching a classic John Huston Humphrey Bogart like classic film because of its structure and the way that we live inside this character's head and this character starts in this dark seedy part of the world and you know that he's had I mean we know the history of Wolverine so there is a brighter past and in, in, than what he's had than what he is now and we feel his pain we feel his agony and we see that one person is calling out to him to come back to the fold and come back to the light come away from this darkness and he's refusing and he's refusing and then you see that he still cares you see his relationship with charles and his relationship with caliban and then eventually him and laura who's the girl that he takes on board and goes on with this this trip with and you just see his heart starting to warm again but he never quite loses that edge and he never loses that thing that makes him wolverine this to me is the closest version to i think the wolverine character that i grew up reading even though this is an old man logan kind of scenario like it just it feels so much like the wolverine that we've been wanting and it's nothing to me this movie doesn't have to be rated R for me to enjoy this movie. I think that the swearing and the violence and all of that stuff is a good added element to it, but it's not necessary. Like, I don't love this movie because it's rated R. I like this movie for what it is, and I like this movie for what it's presenting. And just the, uh, it's just this beautiful, gut wrenching story of Logan and his last days alive and it's beautiful and it's moving it's something that I don't think that I ever would have been like yeah I need this closure and yet it works really well yeah well whatever we feel about I think the entire X-Men franchise we're always like no Wolverine's our guy yeah who's your guy Wolverine it's one of the greatest... At least in the, in cinema, in the film version. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the best casting decisions to put this, I don't know, the singing <laughs> musical man <laughs> From into, Australia. <laughs> into this film. <laughs> where... I just want to be like... You be <laughs> right? Like, I don't know, some, like, like, some gritty version of something. I just want to meet the casting director that, like, met Hugh Jackman. He's like, hello, I'm from Australia, and I love to sing. And he's like, put these mutton chops on. Here are these claws. Go be angry. Um, and while we do get to see some better moments in Wolverine's life, he is such a tragic character yeah. throughout the entire thing where when you're introduced to him and Rogue is like, hey, will you help me out? And he's like, Ugh. I don't wanna. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, me either. Rogue seems like she's gonna get you into some trouble. <laughs> and you're just... You're... You get a sense of peace because this whole time you just feel... Throughout the whole series, you're just like, poor Wolverine. Yeah. And like, Wolverine is a person, like... It's, a, it's interesting that we like him so much because like... While he does have those sincerity moments, for the most part, he comes off as this aggro-aggressive type. Yeah. Who's just very much like, it's about me. Number one, it's me. <laughs> but then, like, when he's with these other people, he's like, number one, it's about them. Yeah. 
And you're just like, oh, and I and I always, I wonder if to some extent it also helps that he's invincible because he's like, I'll help you out. Yeah. And then I'll get off my back. But in this one, this is the one where you see like, okay, you're not so invincible yeah. anymore. And now you're finally putting yourself in front because before I was always just like, eh. You're gonna be f Oh, no! Yeah. He's not gonna be fine anymore. <sighs> and it's, it's a good goodbye. This is the first superhero film to get an Academy Award nomination for script, mm -hmm. and it totally deserves it. Like, this script is is great. And, like, Daphne Keene also holds her own against yeah. him. Which, like, you get this little girl who we haven't ever seen before, mm -hmm. and we're just kind of like, well, we're just gonna... We're adding a baby to the mix, and we're just gotta protect her. But she's out there, and she's like, she's got bloodthirsty tendencies of her own. There is this moment that literally had me tearing up in this movie involving her and him fighting together. So it's in that final sequence where they're in the woods, and, like, they're fighting. And there's just this little moment where, like, he's, like, they're going in, like, hardcore together. Like, he's just taking, like whatever, last shot of adrenaline, and they've met up, and she realizes that, oh, he's come, like, he's done this thing to sacrifice himself to save me, like, he truly is the father that I want him to be, and then, like, they go in, and he goes running in, and, like, she then, like, comes and, like, leaps off his back and just starts, like, rampaging with her claws at everybody, and I'm like, well, they're working together. Like, what a beautiful moment. Well, and this works really good because in the first one, he establishes that connection with Rogue and then yes. we forget about it for most of the other films. Yeah. And it's only weirdly brought up again in 2, in terms, X2, in terms of this weird thing with Bobby who's weirdly jealous of her father, of Rogue's father figure, and you're like, Bobby, calm down. Oh, Bobby sucks. Bobby does kind of suck. Like, that's a true story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. Most of these X-Men, like, they kind of suck. <laughs> Especially the film version. Like, I really, like, mm, only care about, like, Wolverine, mm, Nightcrawler, oh, and like, Charles Xavier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the villain. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair. Um, and I, I... I don't want to say this film does away with all of the other X-Men, but, you know, I feel like with this film, uh, we kept the good ones around. Yeah, we kept Charles and <laughs> Logan, and we brought in Steven Merchant. Yeah. You know. That's all you, that's all you need! Yeah, right? <sighs> well, those are my thoughts. Yeah, great. My favorite X-Men movie, because we don't have the X-Men. <laughs> yep. <laughs> also, I like Days of Future Past, but again, that's us dealing away with most of the X-Men for the most part. Yeah, I also like Days of Future. I like, like, in my top 20, there are three X-Men films. Like, I think the franchise on the whole works out. Is this um, your favorite franchise? No. Oh, in my top 10, there's four MCU, five MCU films. Like... No, like, I mean, is this your... Okay, well, I guess MCU is a connected thing. But yeah. I was gonna be like, no, you have the X-Men series, and the Captain America series, and the Spider-Man series, and the Thor series. So they uh, were all separate in my mind for oh, a second. Oh, okay. Uh, Cap? If I get to include the Avengers series, then Cap's arc is my favorite. And, like, that's my favorite. Like, I would just watch that arc start Can we to finish. just, like, watch the Cap arc? Yeah. Let's marathon that. So you gotta go first Avenger. Uh-huh. Then you gotta go Avengers. Uh-huh. Then you have to go 
uh, Winter Soldier, uh-huh. Age of Ultron, uh-huh. Civil War. Whoa, 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 wait one second. Yeah. We gotta go Ant-Man ed- end credit scene. What's the Ant-Man end credit scene? I don't know, but, like, Bucky's arm is, like, in a... It's either on a magnet or, like, in, like, one of those things in a shop where you, oh, like, okay. to uh-huh. hold stuff. It's in that. And Sam comes in and he's like, I met a guy. And you're oh, like, okay. ah! Great. <laughs> Civil, uh, Winter Soldier, Civil War. Oh, yeah, what is the end credit scene? Yes, Ant-Man. There you go. The one scene. Yeah. And then you go... The Infinity scene War. in Thor the Dark World. Well, that's, that's, that's low-key. That's yeah, low-key. You're right. Uh, Spider-Man into <laughs> Homecoming. Yeah, where at the very end he's just like, you wasted your time. You should not have waited for this. Bye. Uh, he's throughout the film. He's yeah. like, drink yeah, your fair. Ovaltine. Fair. What is your favorite? What's your favorite like franchise? Of Be- superheroes? Yeah. Does Arctic not count? Yeah, Arctic does not count. That's a real hero. <laughs> Spider-Man's too up and down and inconsistent for me, but, like, I love Spider-Man. But Cap, yeah. You can also, like, the Batman are up there. I don't know if that. just letting you know. The Lego one's over there. I don't know. That's, like, the really... That's a good question. Yeah. There was a time where Lego Batman was one of my favorite Batman, but... I was gonna start. I was gonna try to sing "Friends or Family," and then I just forgot the tune. I was like, oh, "What else?" Um, can I count Hotel Transylvania as superhero films? He's fine. No. He's fine. No. Blah blah blah. Blah blah no. blah. No, He's blabby. <laughs> uh, let me give me some time to think. Okay, I'll get back to you. Okay, All sounds right. good. We got a whole other episode. Is this the end of the episode? Yeah. We gotta we gotta play the Planet Hollywood game okay. and then call it a day. Okay. All right. Well, I should have just left it over here. I don't know what I'm doing. Not being the best you you could be. Ugh. Ugh. I want to see. No, I'm gonna rip this card up. Do it so the mic can hear you. Yeah, absolutely. So the card was, Cindy Crawford is a beautiful actress. Name other beautiful women. No, it's her her, her beauty was world famous. Oh, great. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> We're going to take out the, the sexist patriarchal card there. All right. <laughs> Your face. Oh, I got this. I got this. <laughs> We're gonna do. Th- we're, we we gotta rip half this card up, maybe. What? No, we don't. Just read the top half. Just read the top half. Like that one, I'm okay with. <laughs> um. That one I'm okay with because like in so the top part of this card, which we may not do, is David Hasselhoff is a heartthrob. So name other heartthrobs. And I'm like, heartthrob is not a specific gendered term. So like, I was like, great people who are attractive. That's fine. I could do that one. Give the names of different movies with doctors in them. Doctor Strange. Um. Oh no, my brain is dying. Uh, Doctor Frankenstein. Frankenstein. My sister's keeper. Um. Doctor. Wedding. 
You know, the, the, the name I the know. title didn't... I know, Patch Dr. Adams. Jekyll. Patch Adams. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I lost. My brain couldn't think of Doctor movies. I Terms lost. Terms of Endearment was my next one. Terms of McDermott? In- Terms of in- Michael McDermott? Endearment. <laughs> There you go, friends. If you want to join this conversation about superheroes, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. If it's a five-star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. Um, oh, no, I forgot. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at... DW2 underscore podcast. The YouTube, Ducks Watch Together. The Tumblr, Ducks Watch Together. The Letterboxd. Darby ACT and Kylie Gallisher. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. Uh, we're almost done. We're halfway there. Oh! We're halfway there! Quack, oh! quack, 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 qu